Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. It's time for a peculiar podcast. In your wildest dreams, you could not imagine the marvelous surprises that await you. Hosted by Pat Cashman. He had a fiery quality on the stage and off the stage, and he was gorgeous to look at. And back by his side, Lisa Foster. She has tattoos, she's cool. She's dangerous. Broadcasters turned rogue podcasters. This <laughs> just a real nice surprise. They're back and on demand. Just press the button. See, you're on. Ready or not, it's Pat and Lisa. Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking, don't they? Yes, I guess you're right. <laughs> Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. Yeehaw! Can you dig it? Yeah, yeah, I can dig it, yeah. Love time, time. Here comes the sun. We are enjoying some delicious cheese here as we record at Lisa's house. Uh, you like this cheese? I like it a lot. I, it's probably going to kill the person that I stand next to uh, breathe on. But, no, but it's worth it, right? It is. Um, those are cheese curds that oh. you're eating. Doesn't sound good. The, just the, you know, you want a cheese curd. It doesn't sound like you would want a cheese curd by the way it sounds, but you do want a cheese curd because they're delicious. Okay, let's stop talking about cheese curds in the Middle East, for that matter. <laughs> for that matter. Here's a little quiz for you. I uh, saw this article recently. It's It was entitled Six Foods You Would Never Guess Were American Foods. Oh. All right. So I have to guess what they are? Uh, well, no, you, you can't you really guess. Me? I'm going to tell you. The fortune cookie. Oh, I heard about that. Probably thought it was from China. I, I did. did. But it's actually from California. Uh, this some San Francisco tea house invented the modern paper stuffed fortune cookie in 1914. Huh. So do you think the people over in China actually now have, use them? or do they adopted go? it? I don't know. I don't know. One of my favorite book titles was, I think, by Alan King, and it was entitled "Help! I'm Being Held Hostage in a Chinese Fortune Cookie Factory." factory. Yeah, yeah uh, I've heard that. Or a Chinese bakery, maybe. Uh, okay, garlic bread. Now that surely is from Italy. No, and don't call me Shirley. It's actually from Michigan. One, it is. One tale is that soldiers uh, serving in Italy got spoiled on bruschetta. Which is, is, you know, toasted bread that you drizzle it in olive oil I and love me some bruschetta. And I don't love me just one piece of bruschetta. If oh, you, it's good. It's so good. It's really good. Yeah. It's not pretty good. It's really good. Sounds like both you and Oprah love bread. So chefs, when the, when the troops came back after World War II, they said, oh, these guys like that kind of stuff, huh? So they started slathering white bread with garlic and margarine. And... Which does in a pinch. It still will do in a pinch. Yeah, it will. And then I don't know when they started actually making garlic bread, but uh, that happened in, in short order. The chimichanga. The chimichanga? First of all, I've heard of it, but I don't even know what it is. Well, a chimichanga. <laughs> is it a burrito type it, thing? It's a burrito type thing. And uh, it's, it was developed in Arizona 
Uh, a lot of chefs are, are claiming this, including a guy who founded something called the El Charo Cafe. In 1950, this chef fumbled a burrito into some frying oil accidentally. Oh, so, it's a fried burrito. Yeah, and I said, oops, there were kids oh. around, so she said, Chimichanga! Oh, kind, of, kind of a curse word. And the name, like the oil, stuck, and that's and so that's where the chimichanga was born. Huh. Yeah. Are you? Is this interesting? Yeah. Not very. Keep going. German <clears throat> chocolate cake. The guy who invented it? Was he at least German? Uh, the, the core of the cake wasn't German, but his name was. His name is Sam German, and he created oh. a, a, t- a new type of baking chocolate for Baker oh, Trucking Company, and then okay. they started making these cakes with that kind of chocolate. So it was just a guy's name, not his yeah, nationality. Yeah, a guy's name okay. in that case. that's interesting. The English muffin? Nah, certainly that's fine. Of course. It's got, what is it they say? Um, it's got pockets that hold the butter in them. Hmm. Those little butter pockets? Yes, yeah, that's right. But, or a trumpet, or a, not a trumpet, a crumpet. Crumpet. Yeah, <laughs> trumpet. Not a crump, crumpet. And not a strumpet. Uh, yeah, not a, <laughs> definitely not a strumpet. Although strumpets will eat English muffins. And they have little pockets in them. It's from New York. Turns out a guy named Samuel Bath Thomas called his creations toaster crumpets when he debutted them at his New York bakery in hmm. 1880. The term kind of stuck. Uh, English muffins kind of came to be the name, but... You can still see them in grocery stores today from the original guy. And finally, the Cuban sandwich. Wait a minute. I have never heard of a Cuban sandwich. What is that? Oh, there was that restaurant downtown Seattle that uh, closed all of a sudden, um, I think over a lease or rent dispute of some kind, Paseos, and people were apoplectic about it. But that was their featured dish. Cuban sandwiches. The place has since reopened again. What is a Cuban sandwich? Tell me what uh, it is. It's... um, like, has it, it got bread on it? Well, here's a picture of it. Um, just basically got... Oh, like a panini thingy? Yeah, it's kind of like that. It, it's got ham in it, I think. And it's grilled. Yeah. Okay, and, so it's uh, like a panini thing. So it started as this cheap lunch that they offered to Cuban immigrants working in uh, cigar factories in Florida in the 1800s, and then got really popular, and, other, and then restaurants started offering them. Oh. When I was a kid, I always thought this song was singing about a one-ton tomato. One-ton tomato. I wasn't a smart kid. And that is the story okay, of some foods that you would never guess were American. Now, that is interesting. Yeah, isn't it, though? Yeah. Um, this was interesting, too. Uh, you, you brought this one to my attention. Well, let me let me preface this by saying yes, I'm ahead. constantly researching my my own neuroses and my own psychoses because <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to be <laughs> less of a nut, less crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so I stum- how's it going? Not good. Yeah. So I stumble across these things once in a while, and I just I don't even know how I got sucked into the web to find this one, but I found an article about the most psychotic. Um, so this might explain why I'm the way I am. So maybe, go ahead. maybe. it says. Uh, CEOs. Wait, tell what the title is. Well, the, the title is which professions have the most psychopaths? Yeah, and then which professions have the fewest psychopaths? I thought it was surprising some of these on here. The CEO is the profession with the most psychopaths, but it, when we say psychopath, it doesn't mean somebody that's going to go murder you necessarily. What? It, well, what I always thought that's what a psychopath. Was. 
Does it just mean psychopathy is a personality disorder that is characterized by shallow emotions? Oh, hey, I've got that. <laughs> uh, in, in particular, reduced fear, stress tolerance, lacking empathy, cold okay. heartedness, lacking guilt, egocentricity, superficial character, so, manipulativeness. Don Donald Trump. Yeah. Crazy. I'm crazy for feeling so lonely. He's a psychopath, uh, according to this. He's a CEO, yeah. and that's... Yeah, that's I mean, he would of, definitely... I think it would be... I think that we'd definitely say he manifests those behaviors in a more outward way. Yeah. But I would say that probably you could say that about any of the presidential candidates right now. What did you think about him not going to the debate? I'm not going. Um, that's That was just It's the most crazy. astonishing. It's it the most... So even longtime veteran... Uh, news people and journalists going. just cannot uh, believe this this story. I it mean, is really, really. It's entertaining and horrifying at the same time because. Yeah, but uh, but uh, don't you find yourself getting used to the yeah, idea now that yeah. uh, this guy could become president? I think so. Yeah, he I, could. I think he looks like he's almost certainly going to be the Republican nominee. Yeah. Whether he finds the path to being president, but or even, not. even if he's not, he's threatened to run as an independent, so he'll be up there one way or the other. It's just amazing. I, yeah. I, mean, I just can't believe it. And and uh, I didn't like Trump. I never. I like didn't like that show. Uh, I loved Celebrity Apprentice. I hated it. I, I am not. I hated the to show say. because I hated him. I just thought, what a big pompous blowhard. Yeah. Well, he is. Now, but that's not why. No, I'm kind of. Yeah. <laughs> you're warming up. It's just kind of interesting. I don't. I just, <laughs> if you're just watching it as a. Uh, uh, you know, a, a Im- impassive uh, observer, it would be the best thing on television to watch these it debates really and all is. of that stuff. But, but it is re- we really are going to vote for the president uh, this year. So, uh, I, I don't know. We'll, Who knows? I'm, I'm sure we'll talk much about yes, it. Yes, we Everybody will. else is. That's right. So yeah. So that so that's that's the number one profession There's for a, psychopaths. The list is right there. And here's the here's the rest of the most psychopathic professions list. Okay. A lawyer, lawyers, not surprising. Makes it, but but number three, media people, <laughs> TV and radio and and podcast people. We are on the third on the list of psychopaths. But let's face it, this is probably true. Why? Why do you say that? Well, I mean, let's just talk about talk radio. We don't have to talk mm. about talk radio. For no, example. I know. I have. You're I mean, right. But I mean, all those things we just talked about. Uh, I know impulsiveness and egocentricity, lacking empathy. But see, a superficial character. You hear it all the time in, in these in these talk shows. I've, and, I, and disc jockeys. Either, I didn't always they're, they're work. I didn't always hugely egotistic. Yeah, I didn't always work with you. You weren't always my partner, and I had other. I've had others, is what I'm trying to say. You have? Yes. Mm-hmm. And they were. They were like, just just back it down a bit. Don't take this so seriously. Yeah, well, I think that's probably why I got fired so many times, because I just didn't have it in me to be that. I, I always thought, man, I'm, if anybody, you... catches, anybody catches on to what a rube I am, they're going <laughs> to fire me here. Uh, but, I, but I think it becomes like a, almost a narcotic. The more... The, the more, look at me syndrome. The longer you're at it, and then you start getting filled up with how important you you are and what you're doing on that particular radio or TV station. Once you get removed from it, you realize. I mean, I I have no awareness, pretty much, who's on the radio around here. I 
Yeah, I don't. I mean, know. I, I know some longtime people like our yeah. friend Dory, but I, for the most part, I have no idea who's on the air. And I all I hear is how much the business has changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, nobody's making big money uh, doing local radio. They're 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 bringing in kids right out of college, and they're, if they're even having personalities at all, and they may not even live in this market. That's the other sad part. Right? Is they're right. tracking shows that air all over. I don't I, get. I don't. I don't understand why radio, in a, as a general thing, doesn't get it. I mean. If people want to listen to music, they've got a, a lot of pathways to that. Yes. Uh, they download it and uh, Pandora, you, all, you yeah, name it. There's a lot of there, mediums to er, satisfy Everything that. That, that local radio should be, that, that, the other, that those other media can't be. Be being local, mm-hmm. be, having local personalities, being in, having a local focus. And being in the community and, and knowing what's going on. And there's that connection that right. you, can't, you can't get any other way. And it's, it just always saddened me. I, I placed a lot of value on that, too. Yeah, it's not, it's maybe not, it'll come back. Who knows? Well, I, it looks like an opportunity for somebody if they really want to want to do it. But, but so many of these stations now are owned by companies that, that aren't headquartered here anymore yeah. anyway they don't so. even know how to spell seattle they just they look at it as just another uh you know another notch on the belt and they yeah and i talked to, to pat o'day the legendary radio guy uh, about this and he remembers back in the day when kjr am was a powerhouse in this market was it a, a station music format a station is really proud of themselves right now if they're getting like a seven or an eight rating yeah. With a rating like that, you could, you might be number one or two or three in the market. But back in KJRAM's days, they were getting 40-plus shares. Yeah, that means big, big almost deal. one out of every two people was were listening. listening. And, but they didn't just play music. They let their personalities go on the air and shine, mm-hmm. do humor, and they made a big point of, of doing the news. They, they, you know, right. they, they said, just because people listen to music doesn't mean they don't care what's going on in the world. Right. And uh, they discovered that when, when Cairo Radio decided that they were going to go to an all-news format, they did some research and found out that the number one news station in town was KJR AM. Because yeah. that's the station people went to for news, even though they only had two full-time news guys. They put a big emphasis on it. KJR Seattle Channel. Anyway, so let's continue through this list of psychopaths. Psychopathic professions, not... not. Yeah, that's right. That, you're right. Yeah. That doesn't mean everybody in these professions is a psychopath, but this is where you'll find, find most, the most of them. Find the most of them, yeah. If you're looking for one, go here. Salesperson. That seems like a no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah, you have Sales, to have... Sales, you got to have... Yeah. Ego. Surgeons. <gasps> really? Well, I guess so. They do think they're a big deal. Yeah, they, they're sometimes godlike in... True. You know... Right. Uh, uh, at least they're perceived that way. See, now I don't want to go get my colonoscopy because if the guy's an egotist, I want him to. to I want that day to be all about me. Yeah. <laughs> Journalists, police officers. That isn't going to help the image of the police, to, right. to know this. Clergy people. Um, Does that surprise you? 
I, I, well, in a way, I mean, I would think that as a clergy, as a member of the clergy, you would be manifestly humble and modest and well, that's kind of the pious. I, kind of the idea. But they're on a power trip, yeah, and you're right. a lot of them. And you think it through, it makes sense. Go back to the list again: shallow emotions, cold heartedness, lacking empathy, lacking guilt, superficial character, uh, irresponsible. Antisocial behavior such as a parasitic lifestyle. What does that mean? It means like... A double life? No, like you're a, par- oh. like a parasite. And so you could say of clergy people, yeah, well, they're out there telling people, hey, fill up the collection plate on Sunday. That's I how, guess. That's how you're paying my bills. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, all the televangelists out there. Yeah. Well, that, that, they're in a whole you, category. You know they're not own. doing it out of the goodness of their heart and <clears throat> and their absolute belief you know that it's a business endeavor. Well, it's a business invent, ed, endeavor, and they're also show people. The devil wants to keep the church deaf and dumb, but I came to tell you the Holy Ghost is living on the inside of you, and all we need to do is start spending time with the Spirit of God and let him speak a right now word to us. He'll help us with our finances. He'll help us with our family. He'll help us with our faith. He'll help us in every arena of our life. It's really Right more back. entertainment than religion right. is what ties it's right about. back to what uh, media people do and, and lawyers, and then uh, rounding out the list is our chefs. First, most psychopathic. Yeah. Oh, because they got all those knives. <laughs> that makes Maybe sense. that's it. And a hatchet. And then civil servants are, even, are on the are on the list. I don't know. But the least psychopathic. These are the gentle people that this, aren't going to hurt this you. This list won't surprise you. Teachers, care, care aides. Care people aids. give care, you know. Yeah, aid giver, yeah. People work in nursing homes or mm-hmm. whatever. Nurses, yeah, almost the same thing. Yeah, therapists, yeah, or is it the rapist? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> therapist, craftsperson, craftsperson. Oh, like a furniture maker yeah. or a, you know, I don't know. Guys that, that Women who use mod 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 podge a lot. Create doilies. Yes. Beauticians and stylists. Charity workers, teachers, yeah, creative artists, doctors, and accountants. The professions well, you, that have the fewest psychopaths. Would you put us in the creative art? No, because creative artists, they probably mean painting and clay and all that. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. forget so. it. We're on, the other, we're on the other list. Yeah. Creative artists could be like a singer or a paint, painter or sculptor. Yeah. This isn't art. Let's don't, let's don't kid ourselves. <laughs> I was just trying. Yeah. I, I don't blame you for trying. I wanted to try it out. I guess we better face it. We're nuts. I'm... They're coming to take me away, ha-ha, they're coming to take me away, ho-ho, hee-hee, ha-ha, to the funny farm where life is beautiful all the time, and I'll be happy to see those nice young men in their clean white coats, and they're coming to take me away, ha-ha! All right, so, so much for psychopaths. This sounds psychopathic to me, and this touches on something we talked about on a couple of podcasts ago, that women pay more for essentially uh, the same products as men, or they have to pay more for products that are exclusively for women. If if the if men had to buy the same products, uh, then 
maybe the prices would fall more in line. In yeah. other words, you're at a disadvantage in the marketplace as a woman. Yeah, I was I was bitching about the fact that you guys don't have to buy tampons and right. and maxi pads and you kept saying don't blame me cuz you're a woman and and then I we it was tried It's a re- really reasonable argument, I know. wasn't it? And you said yeah. it in that tone of voice. Yeah, I did. And and then I tried to get you to come up with a product if you could name if you could name one product that you as a man have to buy that we as uh, our gender doesn't have to fuss with and you struggled a bit but you did come up with something yeah jock strap that's right and cups and i thought of another one what? nose nose hair trimmer oh no honey you uh, need, you uh, need uh, one yes look oh my gosh <laughs> sherwood forest i can barely breathe i think i see little john in there it's like the older you get my girlfriend said this too she goes i am so sorry i'm late for dinner i did not know i had to trim my nose hairs now i go i know we have to do it now. Really? Yes. Give me a head with hair, long, beautiful hair, shining, gleaming, streaming, flaxen, waxing. Now, see, that's something I never suspected about women that they would have. Well, no next time, hair. Patty probably sneaks away to do it. Follow her around a little more. She's borrowing your nose hair trimmer. I guarantee well, it. I'll tell you, if it wasn't for her, I would be. Uh, you see old men with just big. Tufts. Not that, and the hair, and ear hair, because you can't see ear hair. If you, as the person with the ear hair, it's hard to see. You can feel around in there, so she does point that out to me. Unless if you're looking straight on the in the mirror and you actually see it poking out your ears, then your ear hair is too long. <laughs> you want to catch it before it gets to that point. Of course, then I always argue with her. I say, you know, there's a reason that humans have these hairs it's to protect our hearing it's to protect uh yeah it is dangerous particles from going in our nose right she said okay if that's the case then why isn't your entire roof of your mouth coated with hair <laughs> and i said well <laughs> it's a good argument. take a look <laughs> it's a good argument she said i apologize i didn't realize you had such a hairy roof of your mouth yeah so i was just just enraged and always have been thinking there's nothing i can do about it and then this this is, story this. comes out this week and i'm like Yay, one for the chicks. How did this pass? Uh, you know what's funny? Well, go ahead and say it. But Obama well, Obama didn't even understand that this is about the tampon tax. It's it, considered a luxury item. California, in California, the tampon is considered a luxury item. Yeah. And they are taxed. They, you have to pay a sales tax. Higher than a normal, normal goods and services because it's considered a luxury item. So now, finally, the California board <clears throat> that oversees these state taxes has endorsed a measure that would bar tampons and menstrual pads. From having a luxury from tax. From being called a luxury yeah. tax. Now, this really is an outrage. Yeah. Even men would have to agree with this. Well. It's not an option. That you don't don't have to have one. Well, if I have to pay well, the tax, well, somebody could make the argument it is a luxury because you know what were women doing in the eighteen hundreds? They didn't have stick on wings for their pants. Well, they weren't. They, had, they probably weren't paying sales tax back then. No, they didn't have. They and I don't mean to get graphic, but they would use. Well, it's, it's the, our podcast. It's where I the expression say. comes from being on the yeah. rack. Yeah. yeah. on the rack and what a horrible existence so yeah but the, the the people people can say so yeah you can go do that if you want just go do what they did 
or you can pay a luxury tax and, and have it a little bit more of a comfortable seven days of your month. Well, now, uh, that's the argument. I'm not making the argument. I'm saying that's the argument. To me, it falls would... into the same category, and I don't mean to be too graphic. Well, we've already we're... As, as toilet paper. Now, I'm wondering in California, about that is that considered day. a luxury? It's the same basic uh, cleanliness issue. Yeah. Um, because was... in the absence of that, uh, you know, you had to grab a corn cob or a mon- monkey ward catalog. Right. I suppose. So, yeah, it's in, or, yeah, newspaper, whatever, well, a leaf. Have you ever actually had to do that out in the woods? Well, since we've gone down the road so far. <laughs> When I, was a, plowing away. when I was a kid, I was in the Boy Scouts, <laughs> oh, no. and we went to summer camp. Hello, mother. Hello, father. Here I am at Camp Granada. Camp is very entertaining, and they say we'll have some fun if it stops raining. And along the summer camp pathway was a nature path that had little placards permanent placards that said this is a pine tree it's uh, this is a uh, douglas fir this is that and one of the little placards said it, it was next to a, a shrub called skunk cabbage oh it's this big broad leaf really big leaf and it's it's beautiful but it's stinky it smells like skunk a little bit yeah so my grandmother in her yeah. crazy old days she says oh i love this skunk cabbage and she would collect it all when she'd come visit up here and was it edible no she'd take it home to plant it oh she want she liked it well i'm assuming it's edible if it's a cabbage but maybe it's I not don't, i don't, I don't think it is i wouldn't most people wouldn't sign up to eat something that smelled like a skunk. Yeah. Oh, man, where did you get this? Mmm, that smells good. What you cooking, Grandma? I'm burnt and I'm putting together some skunk cabbage for you, Leo. Crossing the highway late last night. He should have looked left and he should have looked right. He didn't see the station wagon car. The skunk got squashed and there you are. You got your dead skunk in the middle of the road. Dead skunk in the middle. You know I like it. I know you do. I'll look it up and see if there are any recipes. I want to do a bit for our TV show about this amazing diet that this guy has invented that really works, but nobody can understand why it works so well. And so, basically, he's a chef that prepares the most disgusting food. (laughs) And you see people blanching and they say, I've lost 20 pounds. but it's never articulated that it's because the food is so horrible that nobody will eat. It's like a mystery why they're losing weight, but it really, really works. I know we want to get back to this, but... Okay, well, let me get back to oh, yeah. finish that wonderful tale. So I'm out, <laughs> oh, on, <yeah. laughs> I'm out on the nature trail and when I'm in the Boy Scouts by myself, making my way from one campsite to another, I think to the mess hall where they fed us in the morning. And I had to go. The, the call of nature was... And how far was it between the two? Well, it was when a, you're... a bit of a distance. And there did they did have some, you know, uh, facilities in the camp. But I was not near one at the time. And I thought... And when you know, you're a kid, that comes on really quick. Really it's like, quick, It's yeah. like, as an adult now, you can, you kind of know and you can buy a little time. And then, but it's going to now go back to the way it used to be now that we're getting older. It's yeah. going to come on quick. I think I better run. 
was like that episode of the Louis Louis show, the Louis C.K. series. He's downtown with his two daughters, and and the call of nature comes on him. And in a city, in a big city, you don't. Where can I go? Yeah. Daddy, please just run. I can't run. It'll make it worse. Dad. Come on. Dad, oh my God, go in this alley. No, 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 you are a mean man! You little white bitch. Come on. Keep going, keep going. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, Dad. Come on. Come on, Dad. Come on. Let's go, keep going. Keep going, Daddy. You can do it. You can do it. Keep going, keep going. Police, police! What's your problem? Come on, Daddy. He's gonna take our huge poo and no one will help him. I can't help you. Jane! I'm not gonna make it. What? I know I'm not gonna make it. And I'm in a lot of pain. Oh my oh, god. Daddy! Daddy! No! Daddy! Jane, come on. Just no, go. Daddy! Just go. Go down the block. Just get away from me. Just go way, way. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. I love you! Let him go. Let him go. No! Let him go. It's going to be okay, Jake. Okay? Uh, so, I'm out in this nature forest, and there's nobody around, so I think, oh, i gotta, I got to go really bad. So I went out into the, stepped off the trail into the woods a bit, dropped trow, and did my thing. And then, well, I didn't think it through. I thought, oh, wait a minute. Now what do I do? I don't have any toilet paper with me. First rule of a Boy Scout, be prepared. I wasn't prepared. <laughs> I'm going to have to report this to the scoutmaster. Then I looked over and said, wait a minute. Oh. Skunk cabbage. Oh. That'll work. Because they have really big. They're really, really big leaves. So they broke off a few and used it for that purpose. But while I'm in the middle of doing it, I can hear a whole bunch of voices. And it's a, it's a scoutmaster leading his troop along the nature trail. And I go, oh, nuts. So my pants are still around my ankles. And I... I, I drop to the ground and just hide there. Yeah. Hoping against hope that my ass isn't so tall that it's going to be <laughs> sticking up out of the skunk cabbage. Oh, my God. And I'm holding my breath, and he comes, and now here's a thing called skunk cabbage, boys. <laughs> it's got those big leaves, and it has a distinct uh, skunky smell. Would any of you like to go over there and smell it? <laughs> Luckily, none of them did. Oh, my God. <laughs> If they did, they would have seen a kid lying there with his pants around his ankles. And they would have said, this doesn't exactly smell like skunk. It smells like something else. Something else, Scoutmaster. Well, skunk cabbage is edible. I just looked it up. Anyway, they're, safe, they're safe to eat. Anyway, they, the troop moved on, and, and I, I wasn't discovered, but it became very close. So it is safe to eat. So maybe it, And safe to use for toilet paper, apparently. apparently but, so. I, yeah, the leaf thing is a, is a very odd feeling down there. No, and it doesn't do as good a job. It doesn't really do a great job. And because then, I think the skunk cabbage was sort of a, had sort of a glossy texture to it as well. So there's really no 
Ripples. You no. need to find a leaf that has ripples. Well, like ripples, but not little tiny thorns either. You want you have to be very pragmatic about it. No. Uh, is it nobody could be listening to this podcast no, they by can't. now. No. Can I can I tell you where what I was thinking when we were talking about the diet? Because I do think that's a brilliant idea is just hire somebody to cook crappy food for yeah, you. Yeah. But you know, uh Oprah just bought Weight Watchers. I saw that. And oh, she owns the company? Yeah. She, oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. I've seen her in the ads. Yeah, she bought it and now she's doing the ads. We interrupt Peculiar Podcast for this breaking news story. Let's go now to correspondent Ted Crackerwagon. This is award-winning correspondent Ted Crackerwagon. Oprah has just made a stunning announcement. And this is it. I love bread. I love bread. So far, she has not made any comment about bagels, English muffins, or scones. This is Ted Crackerwagon reporting. Before I get into my feelings about this, what was your first impression when you saw Oprah doing Weight Watchers ads? Uh, well... Or do you even... No, I'm... Did you think of it? Did you even... Do you even have a feeling about it well i guess you could I, it, perhaps where you're going with it is is this this is a person who is a lifetime recidivist when it comes to the weight issue uh has struggled with it for years that's and what then, and i'm then, thinking and has been telling people for years you know what i just get comfortable with it i'm the size i am don't worry about it be uh, who you're gonna be be who you're gonna be and the fact that how am I going to believe her that this diet works? Right, right. She's been on on everything. Well, now that she owns the company, I didn't know that. Now yeah. that she owns the company, she she's got to make it work. If if she balloons back up again after losing all the weight, that will well, she hasn't that, lost a lot. Of it. That will say to the people there. Well, I guess it doesn't really work for her either. She only um, lost has lost like. 30 pounds or something. So you know, far. I have an Oprah story. Uh, years ago when I was a promotion director at King TV, uh, King carried the Oprah Winfrey show. And so Gene Anderson had the opportunity to interview Oprah. So, and I thought, well, geez, this is a great opportunity for me to go get some personalized promos where Oprah is saying, So she hey. was actually in the building? No, we went back to Chicago. Oh, got it. Okay. And, uh, and uh, and she was really, you know, she was at her zenith then. And I remember she would do her show in a studio at a uh, at a TV station before she had her own Oprah stu- uh, Harpo production right. studios. And so I remember walking from we we sat and watched her show, and then it was she did it in the morning, and then we would walk several blocks to her offices. And as we're walking along, everybody. Everybody, yeah, workmen, policemen, people on the street. Hey, Oprah, how's it going? Hey, I mean, just like a, a walking deity in Chicago. She was that big. Yeah. And I thought, this is pretty cool. So we then we go into her office and Gene interviews her. We had, I had cameraman with him. We, Gene does the interview. And then uh, she does some promos for us. And then somebody brings in lunch. And, and and we're just sitting in her office. The lunch is we're sitting in couches and chairs, and she's behind her own desk. And they bring in this lasagna dish, and and then also some leafy thing like lettuce or something like. Might have been skunk cabbage. I don't know. <laughs> and 
And so she sits down and is just only eating the leafy stuff because this is one when she was on one of her her diets. big diets. But I watched her face when the rest of us were shoveling this unbelievably good lasagna down. And you could just see in her face this longing and this, she couldn't tear her eyes off of oh, what we were eating. Man. And and I, in that moment, I realized, you know what? I don't think she's going to make it. She just, it's just too hard. Yeah. For some people, it's just too hard. I, um, I, I've tried to watch my weight, but I'm a person that if I do gain a lot of weight, I don't lose it again very easily. Yeah. It's hard. It's it is really hard. hard. To be hard. I think it was Chris Rock that did this joke, and I, if it's not, I, I don't know who it was, but it just always stuck with me when he said, um, you know, Oprah has been on these diets forever, and he said, Oprah, Oprah should be thin, and the reason she should be thin is because she makes enough money to pay somebody to grab the the mother effing food out of her hand before it gets in her mouth. Just pay a person to follow you around, and every time you go to put a donut in your mouth, that is their job, is to grab it away from you. Yeah. Which I think is very funny. Yeah. I, and yeah. and it makes you wonder. All that I money... Bet she, I bet she has actually tried that. I think she's tried everything. Right. So that's why I just think, every with this whole Weight Watchers thing, I just I wonder if anybody else looks at it and goes, yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to take your word for it. She um, spent, she's a partial owner. She spent um, $43 million to become part owner of Weight Watchers. Well, it must be this interesting. This was back in October. must be interesting to be in her position because it, she's a, like in an echelon of celebrity that you, if you buy that company and then you come on and you endorse that product, the sales can go nowhere but up, right? Uh, dramatically up, and, and so you couldn't get a better spokesperson. Yeah, well, in some ways, but on the other hand, like you say, maybe it looks a little hypocritical for her to be telling you how you ought to lose weight when she's yeah. she's been a, sort of unsuccessful doing it. That's I right. think I just think generally, the best reason to lose weight is for your health. It's is no it, it it otherwise just really? be be what you are. You yeah, know? It's just. It, it, when it becomes unhealthy, uh, you, you're at risk of diabetes and heart problems and all and of that. your joints so, hurt and... Yeah. Yeah. But otherwise, uh, you know, who cares? Especially if you've given it a good hard try. And uh, I, I know uh, um, a, a woman that has been thin as long as I've known her and I've gone to lunch with her. And she can pack the food away like you wouldn't believe, and it doesn't matter. She doesn't gain an ounce. Yeah. Uh, she's the kind of woman that other women would love to kill. Yeah. Uh, but uh, others just, you know, you, you just eat a, a cracker, and you're going to gain five pounds. It's just, it's just yeah. how you, it's in your DNA. That's, and and that's what it. happens with me. I have, I don't have a sweet tooth as much as I have a carbohydrate addiction. Yeah. And All of us I, rice yeah. And I pasta. love it so pasta, love yeah. it so bread. dearly. I'm not a huge bread person. I'm more my my downfall is rice and pasta. I'll just wolf the whole pan down. I love it. And so even then, if I, then even you if wonder, I, well, look at the people in China and, and Japan if, and Italy. If, unless you're a sumo wrestler, they, these don't look like well, they're not oversized eat, people. But they're eating just a little bit of rice. They're not eating the whole pan of rice aroni, which is. <laughs> You know the San I mean? Francisco treat. That's right. Yeah. Or the whole thing, a hamburger helper. Yeah. They yeah. they just have, 
You know, that's, and that's the other thing with the serving size thing on those things. Do you ever read that? Like if you, you know, hamburger helper makes six servings and I'm like, the hell it does. It made dinner and lunch for me is basically what it made. Two servings. Well, I agree with you. I mean, I like when I make an oatmeal in the morning or, you know, cream of wheat or whatever. And I look, it says uh, for, for three servings. Uh, put in this much and, and i'm right. thinking well son i just skip one and two because i know i'm going to eat the three serving thing. that's right that's how much i eat that's right that's yeah. a huge problem they need to correct the serving thing that then we wouldn't be fat yeah well then they say the way you should serve food is on little tiny plates when you have a big plate you feel obligated to fill the whole thing i know thing. it's all these psychology i know the points to this i'm going to start eating off of a margarine lid and see if that helps um <laughs> Speaking of, that's not a bad idea. I know. Speaking of that, um, and, and being healthy, I just thought this was a pretty interesting article. Now I've lost lost it here. I'll find it in a second. About um, why people live longer than they did in the old days. And, and I, I, if you ask me... I know what the answer is. I, I haven't read it. I would assume... Okay, what do you think the answer is? I think it's because... Um, <clears throat> well, first of all... Because we're living 35 to 40 years on average longer than they did. Is it dental? Is it dental related? Because your teeth, like like people would die just because they had teeth infections. Yeah. Well, my mom would have died <clears throat> when she was and now a, we're getting... a kid if they didn't have. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, what, what's it called? Uh, fluoride. Penicillin. No. Uh, so yeah. But I think so because th- those... people's teeth are healthier now. Well, I, don't I think know. most people assume. If you ask them the question, it's not just one reason, but why would our health, why would our lifespan almost double in the last 150 years? It's not the teeth thing. Well, it, that, that, that's on the right track, but the number one thing, and we're talking about, you know, people died young in the old days. I know, they would they die when they were 40, right? Tuberculosis, tonsillitis would kill people. Wow. Fever, childbirth. You don't think about that. Worms. Um, you can die from worms. Like eating you? Yeah, well, yeah. I guess. Oh, you mean worms inside of you? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, oh no. I thought you meant attacking worms. The number one thing is clean water. In 1854, a physician named Dr. John Snow, John Snow, traced a cholera outbreak in London, and he traced it to a water pump sitting next to a leaky sewer. And that began this big public works project in the late 1900s involving separating clean water from dirty. They didn't, people didn't pay attention to that. Right. Well, and and they, that's when they get these horrible diseases and die. It was understanding that sewage and drinking water needed to be completely separated. And so Chicago built a drainage canal that in 1900 actually reversed the flow of the Chicago River, thus sending its sewage into, into the greater Mississippi watershed. And oh, my God. continued taking its drinking water from Lake Michigan. So that was it. Historians contribute... One attribute, one half of the overall mortality in those days to lousy drinking, uh, lousy water, dirty that water. That makes sense. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. And hand in you hand. You just with, always think that we've always, we've, uh, you just think everybody who's ever been alive has had clean water. 
Yeah. You don't it, think about it. it. I, I, I never would have guessed that that's really what it is. And hand in hand with that, so to speak, is soap. The germ theory of, of disease didn't catch on really quickly. People didn't get that. Soap became cheaper, though, and more widespread as there was a linkage now to, to you know, being dirty and, and getting sick. People suddenly had a logical reason to wash up before, like doctors, before surgery. Doctors didn't necessarily sterilize themselves. Uh, or even before you sit down to eat. I mean, all the stuff. Or after stuff going, you're... To, going to the john and before eating and all yeah. of that stuff. Yeah. I wash my hands in muddy water. Wash my hands, but they didn't come clean. Tried to do like Daddy told me. But I must have washed my hands in a muddy stream. Uh, better housing is another reason living, we live longer. They were poorly ventilated, a lot of the city housing, crowded, dank, stinky, hot in the summer, cold in the winter. That made a big difference. People started taking vitamins. They, nobody thought about that. During the Revolutionary War, soldiers and people in general were a few inches taller than, their, than the guys they were fighting from Britain. That was because most Americans had enough to eat, while in Europe only the wealthy people did. Hmm. But on average, American farmers were taller than, than laborers and people in rural areas outlived city dwellers by about 10 years because they were exercising, but they were right. also taking vitamins. And all that fresh air. Federal laws and quarantines and vaccinations are some of the other reasons, but it's, it's uh, it, mostly water and soap. Huh. Which we, uh, you know, we have readily available. Yeah. At Bartell Drugs this month. Any final comment, Oprah? I love bread. I love bread. Well, then we should play one of their biggest hits. Baby, I'm a want you. I love bread. Baby, I'm a need you. I love bread. You're the Thanks for listening to Peculiar Podcast. Hey, goodbyes. <laughs> Join Pat and Lisa online at PeculiarPodcast.com. The gift that keeps on giving the whole year. And on the Peculiar Podcast Facebook fan page. Sweet. On Twitter at Peculiar Podcast, at Mr. Pat Cashman, and at Foster Chick. Join us and live in peace or pursue your present course and face obliteration.